Chapter Twenty Seven of From Jest to Earnest by Edward P. Rowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Twenty Seven, The Meeting and Greeting. Mister Martell's garments were frozen upon him, and he was so stiff and numb with cold that with difficulty he made his way up the bank with the support of De Forest and the gallant coachman who suddenly blossomed out into a hero. Harcourt and Hempstead formed with their hands what is termed a chair, and bore the apparently lifeless form of Miss Martell swiftly towards Mrs. Marchmont's residence. The poor oarsman was so glad to be on solid ground once more that he was able to hobble along at a good pace by himself. The wind again played mad pranks with Lottie's hair as she at last stood impatiently on the piazza and then dashed off through the snow to meet them oh thank god you are safely back but miss martell she is not she is not don't suggest such a thing groaned harcourt of course she has only fainted hemstead could not speak even to lottie with white face and set teeth he sought to keep up to the end the effort he was now putting forth was less that of muscle than sheer force of will as with Miss Martell, he too was reacting from the tremendous strain that the last hour had brought. He trembled with almost mortal weakness as he slowly mounted the piazza steps. He staggered under his share of their burden as he crossed the hall. Lottie, puzzled by his silence, now saw his deathly pallor with alarm, and instinctively stood at his side. "'You had better take Miss Martell directly to her room,' said Mrs. Marchmont in here quick gasped hemstead he tottered to the nearest sofa and a second later lay unconscious at miss martell's feet at this moment alice again became conscious hemstead's condition did more to revive her than all restoratives for womanlike she thought of him more than herself she sat up and exclaimed faintly oh can't something be done for him quick it looks as if he has given his life for us and she looked around not far enough to see the expression of harcourt's face as he welcomed her back to consciousness but only to see addie clinging to his arm repeatedly asking to be assured that he was not hurt thank heaven you are safe he bent down and whispered don't think of me look at mr hemstead again he misunderstood her and with bitterness thought after all my anguish on her account she gives me not even a thought and her first words are don't think of me and he felt that fate had been very cruel in sending hemstead to her rescue instead of himself mrs marchmont now appeared upon the confused scene and proved that she was equal to the occasion it was a sad pity that she had not imparted to her daughter a little of her own capability she bade the forest and the still stout and hardy ex-sailor carry hemstead at once to his room while she and one of the maids assisted miss martell to hers no opportunity whatever was given for any romantic and affecting scenes lottie had stood for a second in dismay after seeing her true knight sink on the floor and then like a sensible girl instead of going off into hysterics went like a flash to her aunt's wine-closet for brandy. 
but before she could find it mrs marchmont had caused both the rescued and the rescuer to be conveyed to the privacy of their own rooms where they could at once receive the prosaic treatment that their condition required the room which a moment before had presented a scene which she could never forget was empty harcourt having gone for a physician she met mr dimmerly on the stairs who took the brandy from her saying that's sensible we'll rub him down with it inside and out and he'll be all right in the morning now you see how blood tells making a parson of him can't change the fact of his coming from an old family he has been as brave to-night as the dimmerleys were a thousand years ago but lottie was not a bit interested in the millennial dimmerleys and putting her arm around her uncle's neck in a way that surprised that ancient fossil she coaxed won't you promise me uncle that as soon as he is safe you will come out and let me know safe he's safe now who ever heard of even a half-blooded dimmerly dying from a mere faint old age is the only disease that runs in our family my dear but i will let you know as soon as he is comfortably asleep i am going to make my proper parson nephew almost drunk for once in his life and you needn't expect to see him much before ten o'clock to-morrow lottie finding her services were not needed in miss martell's room went down to the kitchen where she found the half-frozen oarsman now rigged out in the dress-coat and white vest of the colored waiter and the brave coachman who had put his old sea-craft to such good use they were being royally cared for by the cook and laundress the poor fellow who out in the boat had thought that the hearts of even his neighbors were as cold and hard as the ice that was destroying them had now forgotten his misanthropy and was making a supper that considering the hour would threaten to an ordinary mortal more peril than that from which he had escaped she drew from him and especially from the coachman the narrative of their thrilling experience and every moment hemstead grew more heroic in her eyes bless you miss said the bluff ex-sailor his tongue a little loosened by the whiskey he had taken as an antidote for the cold and wet there's stuff enough in him to make a hundred such as t'other young gentleman as wouldn't go sudden spells like that he had t'other night is all he'll ever be stinguished for i'm a-thinkin but i ask your pardon miss i can forgive you anything to-night my brave fellow said lottie blushing though you have given mr hemstead so much credit he will give you more to-morrow take this and get something to remember this evening by and she slipped a twenty-dollar bank-note into his hand now bless your sweet eyes exclaimed the man ducking and bobbing with bewildering rapidity it's your kindness that'll make me remember the evening to my dying day how could you speak so of mr de forest when the young lady is engaged to him said the cook reproachfully after lottie had gone no matter said the ex-sailor stoutly i've had it on my conscience to give her a warnin i hadn't the heart to see such a trim little craft run into shallow water and hoist no signal if she was my daughter she'd have to mitten that lubber if he was worth a million as lottie passed through the hall with silent tread she saw that de forest was in the parlor and to escape him continued on up to her room musing as she went what a strange blending of weakness and strength mr hemstead is well i should like that i should like a man to be as strong as samson generally but often so weak that he would have to lean on me 
whom did lottie mean by that indefinite word man it did not occur to her that there was a very definite image in her mind of one who was pale and exhausted and whom it would now be a dear privilege to nurse back into strength and vigor she met her uncle and the physician in the upper hall and the latter said mr and miss martell are doing as well as could be expected when we consider the fearful ordeal they have passed through as far as i can foresee a few days rest and quiet will restore them and mr mr hemstead faltered lottie the color mounting into her face that anxiety had made unwontedly pale the brave fellow who rescued them no he is the right kind of a dominie not all white choker and starch no fear about him miss marsden he's made of good stuff well put together a night's rest and a warm breakfast and he will be himself again and the old doctor bustled away what delightful prose thought lottie and she tripped lightly to her room and kissed the sullen and offended bell good night and very grateful and at peace with all the world soon fell asleep but she had a disagreeable dream again she saw hemstead at miss martell's feet but now instead of being pale and unconscious his face was flushed and eager and he was pleading for that which the king cannot buy she awoke sobbing called herself a little fool and went to sleep again but in the morning the dream lingered in her mind in a vague uncomfortable way she was early down to breakfast for she was eager to speak to hemstead and to tell him how she appreciated his heroism but either his exhaustion was greater than the physician had believed or his uncle's sedatives were very powerful for he did not appear there was nothing better for her than to endure de forest's explanations why he had not gone and his assurances that if he had only known etc to which she gave an impatient hearing quite unlike her gentleness of the two preceding days there were little things in her manner which indicated a falling barometer and suggested that the day might not pass serenely she learned from her aunt and uncle that mr and miss martell were feeling better than might have been expected and that hemstead was still sleeping sleep was all he wanted said mr dimmerly and i made it my business he should get it quite early in the forenoon mr martell and his daughter felt equal to coming down to the parlor and after dinner it was their intention to return home a luxurious lounge was wheeled near the blazing wood fire and on this miss martell was tenderly placed by her father who in joyful gratitude could scarcely take his eyes from her pale face beyond the natural languor which would follow so terrible a strain she seemed quite well both father and daughter appreciated mrs marchmont's courtesy greatly and miss martell's effort to be cordial even to addie was quite pathetic when it is remembered that she felt that her supposed rival could harm her more than could the cold river lottie made frequent errands to her room and lingered in the hall as much as she could without attracting notice in the hope of seeing hemstead a moment alone the impulsive girl's warm heart was so full of admiration for what he had done that she longed to show him her appreciation without the chilling restraint of observant eyes and critical ears but he was so blind to his interests as to blunder into the parlor when she was there and every one else also though it cost her great effort alice martell rose instantly and greeted him so cordially as to bring the deepest crimson into his pale face 
Mr. Martell also pressed to his side, speaking words which only a grateful father could utter. When, for any cause, Hemstead was the object of general attention, the occasion became the very hour and opportunity for his awkward dividends to assert itself, and now he stood in the centre of the floor, the most angular and helpless of mortals. De Forest looked at him with disdain and thought, I would like to show him how a gentleman ought to act under the circumstances. De Forest would have been equal to receiving all the praise as it was, in view of his readiness to have saved Miss Martell if he had only known, could have accepted with grateful complacency a gratitude that quite overwhelmed the man of deeds. Hemstead's confusion was so great as even to embarrass Miss Martell for a moment, and her face, from reminding one of a lily, suddenly suggested an exquisite pink rose. But before he was aware she had ensconced him in an easy-chair at her side, and with a tact peculiarly her own, had rallied his panic-stricken faculties into such order that he could again take command of them. But as Lottie saw them grasping each other's hands and blushing, her dream recurred to her with the force of an ominous prophecy. Hemstead, in his severe attack of dividends, had not greeted any one on his entrance, but had fallen helplessly into Miss Martell's hands, and had been led to his chair like a lamb to the slaughter. But Lottie took it as much to heart as if he had purposely neglected to speak to her. And when, a little later, Mr. Dimmerly commenced a formal eulogy, Hemstead, with an expression of intense annoyance, raised his hand deprecatingly, and pleaded that no one would speak again of what he had done. She feared that all the glowing words she meant to say would be unwelcome after all. Everything had turned out so differently from what she had anticipated that she was disappointed above measure, and before he could collect his scattered wits she left the room. And so it all ends, she thought bitterly, as she chafed up and down the hall. I sent him out last night as my own true knight, wearing my colors, and he rescues another woman. When I see him again, he brushes past me to speak to the one who, owing him so much, of course will be grateful. With eyes for her alone, he wears my colors in his face, and she raises the same blood-red signal. I was looking forward to the pleasure of giving him a welcome that he might value on his return, and he has not even spoken to me. After our parting last night, could anything have turned out more flat and prosaic? Just at this moment, Harcourt, who was another victim of circumstances, entered, and Lottie, too annoyed to meet any one, fled to her own room. He had already called early in the morning to inquire after the invalids, but Miss Martell did not know this, and his coming now seemed a little dilatory, considering all they had passed through. Deep in her heart there was disappointment that he had not come to her rescue instead of Hemstead. Was he one to stand safely on the shore while others took risks from which true manhood would not have shrunk? Could he have dreamt that she was in peril, and still have let Hemstead go without him to her aid? These were thoughts that had distressed her during part of a sleepless night and all the morning. Moreover, when he entered, Addie had pounced upon him in her usual style, as if she had in him certain rights of possession. Addie's manner, together with her own thoughts, gave an involuntary tinge of coldness to Miss Martell's greeting, which she was quick to recognize. 
while her cordiality to Hemstead suggested to him, as to Lottie, that she might be very grateful. Mr. Martell was more than slightly distant. He was stiff and formal. As circumstances then appeared to him, he thought that Harcourt had acted a very unworthy part. Mr. Martell naturally supposed that both Harcourt and De Forest were at Mrs. Marchmont's, but that only Hemstead had been willing to venture to their assistance. To De Forest he gave scarcely a thought, having accurately estimated that superficial youth's light weight, but that Harcourt, the son of his old and dear friend, should have so failed in manly duty was a bitter trial. As he saw him and Addie together, he thought contemptuously, They are well mated, after all. How strange that my peerless daughter can have such a regard for him. He had become aware of his daughter's preference, though, out of delicate regard for her feelings, he had feigned blindness. Even had Harcourt known how greatly they misjudged him, in his sensitive pride he would have made no explanations. And he was the last one in the world to tell them, as would De Forest, how he meant to go to their aid, etc. His manner puzzled Alice. She could not help noting with a secret satisfaction that, while polite, he was annoyed at Addie's demonstrativeness, and at times she thought his eyes sought her face, almost as if in appeal. But her own and her father's manner had evidently chilled him, and he soon took leave. His face, in which pride and dejection contended for mastery, haunted her like a reproach. If Mr. Harcourt had only arrived a little earlier last evening, Miss Martell, said De Forest complacently, you would have had three to thank instead of one. I'm sure if I had known that you and your father. How is that? asked Mr. Martell quickly. Was not Mr. Harcourt spending the evening here? Oh, no, it was from him we first learned of your peril. He came tearing over like mad, a few moments after the coachman and Mr. Hemstead had gone. Then he dashed off to the shore, where I soon joined him. I thought at one time, continued De Forest, glad to say anything that would dim the glory of Hemstead's achievements, that he would have started into the river with no better support than a plank, so eager was he to go to your aid. If we could only have found another boat, we would have both gone. As it was, it was well I was there to restrain him, for he seemed beside himself. The rich color mounted to Miss Martell's face, as she gave her father a swift glance of glad intelligence, and he drew a long breath of relief, as if some heavy burden had been lifted. Yes, said Mrs. Marchmont quietly, but at the same time fixing an observant eye on the young lady. I never saw Mr. Harcourt so moved before. Conscious of Mrs. Marchmont's object, Alice mastered herself at once, and with equal quietness answered, It would be strange if it were otherwise. We have been acquainted from childhood. Nevertheless, the experienced matron surmised danger to the match which she would gladly bring about between her daughter and Harcourt. And instead of fearing, as was the case with the latter and Lottie, she hoped that Miss Martell would be very grateful to Hemstead and so she appeared to be, for she talked to him so enchantingly, and for a time absorbed him so completely, that Lottie entered unobserved, and remained so a few moments. Then his eyes, that from the moment he gained composure, had seemed in quest of something, 
lighted on her as she sat a little back of him, apparently absorbed in her fancy work. He wanted to speak to her, and yet what could he say before them all? The tell-tale color was again in his face, and his wretched dividends returned. Neither courtesy nor his heart would permit him to ignore her and continue his conversation with Miss Martell. And yet it had seemed easier to go in a boat out among the ice than to think of any proper way to recognize the presence of one in whose eyes he had a morbid anxiety to appear well. Lottie saw his dilemma, and, while she too began to blush absurdly, would not help him, and her head bent lower than ever over her work. Serves him right, she thought. If he had only met me in the hall, I might. Well, I wouldn't have been an icicle. At last Hemstead concluded that he could safely say good morning, and he did so in a very awkward manner over his shoulder. "'Did you speak to me?' asked Lottie, as if suddenly aroused. "'Yes,' he replied, under the painful necessity of repeating something that sounded very flat in the first place. "'I said good morning.' "'Oh, excuse me. As it is so late, I bid you good afternoon.' Her manner, as well as her words, so quenched poor Hemstead that he did not venture another syllable. And thus Lottie and her true knight had the meeting to which, in remembrance of their parting, both had looked forward with strange thrills of expectation. But in the light of their flaming cheeks Miss Martell caught a glimpse of their hearts, and Mrs. Marchmont was again led to fear that more was going on than should be permitted by so good a manager as herself. The dinner-bell soon brought welcome relief to all, breaking the spell of awkward constraint. End of chapter 27